If you're interested in neuroscience and how your brain functions, today's episode should be very interesting. So tune in. Today's guest is Jessica Foster. She's a neuroperformance coach. She helps her customers and her clients better understand the different deficits that are uh, derived from their brain and from their nervous system. The purpose is to improve the quality of life, whether it's pain, anxiety, stress, you name it. My name is Mike. Every week I talk about things that are important to me. Hopefully you find them of value as well. Today's daily dose is partly brought to you by grassstore.com. Cannabis delivery made simple and you could save 40% right now if you use the code daily at checkout. Now I'm going to get my unruly beard out of your face and we're going to begin this episode. Well, I really appreciate you making time to come on. I don't know how you found me, but um, as I went through your uh, information in the work that you're doing, I was really fascinated. There's several things I, I personally had experienced. I'm like, yes, I've experienced these and I didn't know what to attribute them to. Specifically. Ooh, like what? Um, so there was a part here on, I think it was on your website, either on your website or in in one of the other profiles but it talks about um, – let's see if I can find it. The measure of my ability to fully participate in an experience. We, have, we all have goals, life experiences we are called to but have not yet um, had. Achieving new goals often requires waking up parts of the nervous system that we may not even be aware are underperforming. So th- there's – so there's elements of the uh, the stuff that's in here of the content, and I initially like reflected on um, the discomfort I felt uh, several years ago. Discomfort in like exercise, discomfort in um, certain things that uh, may have called on me to kind of like do better, perform better. Um, Beyond, you know, beyond what uh, what my comfort level would allow, and um, I read this and I said, "Yes, I think this is somewhat close to what I've experienced personally." And uh, I grew out of this, realizing, and I said, "You know what? No, discomfort is really good. I I want to feel that as often as possible. Um, it's and it's because." I, I can sense that I'm pushing myself beyond the limitations that uh, my mind has created. So totally. with that, go ahead and introduce yourself and let's begin. Hi, I'm Jessica Ram Foster. And yes, I'm a neuro performance coach. Um, my business name is the Neurology of Presence. Um, and so, yeah, I do sort of use neurology. Um, well, my I, there is this infinite ability, right? Like there's nothing we can't. Uh, kind of apply it to because the nervous system is the governing system and it impacts absolutely everything. Um, And so, you know, the primary focus of it for me is working with people. um, A lot of my clients are people who fall into the cracks in the medical system and are dealing with pain or some kind of physical limitation. But um, I am a performer in my background. And so for me, this was uh, extremely powerful in overcoming some of my performance limitations, largely my performance anxiety. Um, But then, you know, yeah, like from, like you said, like with exercise or any kind of physical challenge, being able to take cutting edge neuroscience and apply it practically to like achieve these goals that seemed potentially out of reach before is just cool. So (laughs) it's, um, it's extremely fun. And, um, yeah, I just feel so 
honored and kind of blown away that this this stumbled into my path, you know, and that I get to play with this and and help people with it is um, so fulfilling and just rewarding. And I do feel extremely called to share it with absolutely everybody because, like, it, it's it's game changing. It really is. And and what it really is is just looking at the body through a slightly different lens. You know, we think about it in terms of sort of muscles and skeletons and, you know, there's these separate systems. Um, certainly our, our medical community at this point is extremely siloed in that way. Um, but really, when you look at the body through the lens of the brain and the nervous system, you understand that the brain is in charge of all of that. And, you know, part of, there's a there's a quote, I have this on my website, actually, but it's it's a quote by Dr. Eric Cobb, who is the founder of Z Health Performance Solutions. Actually, I think they're Z Health Education System now, but this is the company I found that I got educated through and I'm now a master trainer in this um, in this system, which I happen to call neuroperformance coaching. There's brain-based trainers, there's all these things, and it really is this brand new emerging field of applied neurology. Um, but Dr. Cobb is you know, he's he's this genius that just takes science as it's coming out and goes, that's really cool. And okay, I see how they're applying that to extreme cases. But how do we use this information to improve life for, for everybody else? And um, so the tools are extremely simple. Um, you know, the neurology isn't, but the tools are. And, um, but there is sort of like some fundamental understandings that I certainly have created a profound change for me. And so I'll just read this quote because I think it spells it out so well. Um, Everything you have ever felt or done in your life was due to brain function. At the most basic level, the intricate firing rates and patterns of your brain both determine who you have been and more importantly, who you will become. All human change represents changes in that individual's nervous system. All that we are is brain derived, which I'm like a spiritual seeker. Like I've done, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't think I'd end up in neurology, um, you know, and all of these sort of esoteric experiences and what I call out of body experiences. And you know, when I heard this quote, I was like, oh right, but I'm still in a human body. And those experiences are coming through my brain. Like, that is the only way I can physically experience even the most esoteric experience. Um, and so that that really has shifted the way I live in a way. You know, it's, it's like, if you think about the nervous system and what it does to govern everything, it takes in information from the world around us through our sensory organs our eyes, our ears, our mouth, obviously, but also your vestibular system. I always like to throw that word in because it's this like rarely talked about super important system. Um, It lives inside your inner ear and is like your onboard GPS. It kind of tells your brain where you're going and which direction is up so that your head doesn't hit the ground. Um, So yeah, like all of this information is coming in about the world and where I am in the world. And then I have all these different lobes in the brain, right, that process things um, largely as, you know, a team, right? They, they each have their role, but they're communicating so intricately with each other that it's, um, it's cool to separate it out. But I think really important to think about it as like, yes, the whole brain uh, functions together as well. 
And that, you know, so we're processing that information uh, and integrating it together and then deciding like what kind of action we want to take as a result. Um, and then like the last thing it does is act, right? So like we move, there's a, so we can see the tiger, we can understand that tiger is dangerous and we start running, right? At the simplest level. So with that in mind, like thinking about, well, gosh, how, how much am I actually using my sensory systems? How much am I actually like awake and aware of the world around me? You know, so much of what we're doing now is right here, right? Like our eyes are looking in one direction. We, you know, almost everything is frontal plane at this point. And unless you play a sport or do something that actually gets you to open up and move around in different planes, jump up and down, roll around, right? Like we're, we're decreasing and decreasing and decreasing our overall picture of the world. And what's so interesting to me is the brain, the way I think about it is like the brain knows what maximum capacity kind of is, right? Like in terms of movement, can you move every joint through every range of motion at every speed, right? It doesn't sound like that's something we necessarily need to do in modern life. We don't, right? Very few of us have that level of mastery of our body. But the brain, it's like if it can't actually move your arm through its full range of motion, it becomes threatening. And any level of threat in the nervous system is like brakes, right? It's like putting the brakes on. It's a limitation. It's an area your brain says, this is not safe. I can't do this thing. And whether you believe that or not, consciously, subconsciously, it's going to shut you down. Does that make sense? It does, actually. I was um, I had read a separate portion of um, either your site or your Facebook, and something about this was was mentioned. And um, and I thought to myself, this is really interesting. Um, you had said, I w- you know, I I wish I was able to. Um, document or like copy and paste some of these sections i just so limited on time these days uh but i read as much as i could and uh and realized like no i really i really want to speak to you about uh about this topic because uh you're right the brain is the the focal point of all experience through through the uh through our sensory uh mechanisms that we have um but the mention of these limitations when you're, uh, let's say, trying to move your arm in in all ways possible and there's, let's say, pain. I think this is where you had mentioned it in your uh, on your pages is uh, as soon as you feel pain, your brain says like, no. And, um, and that's kind of like the reason why you're sharing a lot of this information is to, to kind of show people that the the pain is just one aspect and that uh, it can be overcome and when you overcome it you can break the limitations too um, Mm -hmm. with it Um, all of it makes sense but I mean I'm personally very interested in these things so mind body spirit um, there's something in here that you had said uh, just that you're very fascinated with the um, with the experience of living in in this like in this plane of existence that that we're in and uh i would agree i am very much so as well it's very fascinating just to kind of witness life as it goes by and totally 
and just kind of be um, hyper aware of a lot of these things. It could be like personal, it could be external, just being hyper aware. Um, I feel like brings a certain beauty to, uh, to being alive. I don't know. That's how I see it. Um, sorry, I missed that. We froze for a second there. I missed the last thing you said. Oh, I was just saying like, it's, um, it's just really, really cool. I, I, <laughs> I, I enjoy l looking at, uh, the experience of life in, in a very similar way is just realizing there's so much beauty to, uh, to living and much like what you had said, through the medical communities, there's even limitations there. And uh, the, the esoteric aspects of, uh, of life and existence are not really embraced. Though I think people are kind of coming around. If you've lived long enough, you've experienced uh, coincidence and you've experienced many different things that, um, uh, that you might brush off. I've experienced them so many times in my adult life that it it has led me to believe there's there's something quite divine about life, being alive, and uh, and even through all of my psychedelic experiences, it just opens up uh, my heart in a in a uh, positive way to just to be more accepting and loving and like wow you know this experience of being like we are alive man that mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. powerful. Um, we don't know what it's like to be anything else. So it's, right. it's easy to kind of, I, I want to say, take it for granted and totally always, and always like look at life as being difficult. They're just challenges. Every day uh -huh. there's a new challenge to overcome. So we must, we must rise up. Yeah. And, and where I think this work comes in and, um, <laughs> that I, I feel compelled to share this story. Actually, I was a, biology major in college and I studied clams and <laughs> totally random but um, one of the most like spiritual experiences I've ever had was seeing a clam under high-level microscope under a high-level microscope and like the structures of what makes up the the shell is like it was the most intricate orderly pattern of I think they were squares. They might have been hexagons, you know, but like conical one on wow. top of the other. It was just so amazing. And yeah, it was, it was like this profound moment for me of like, there is, there is something so delicious and rich here in underneath the surface that we don't even see necessarily. And when I got into this work, you know, it's, in, it's one thing to kind of be the observer and witness it in nature, which is sort of where I was prior to finding this. To actually then apply that to the human being and to be able to look inside and go, oh my gosh, this is how I function. Like this is, you start to, and, and we know so little, right? Like it's, right. it's, we know a fraction of a fraction. And I, I am um, a big advocate for acknowledging that fact. Like, yes, we've learned so much and it's so cool. And there is an infinite amount we do not understand. And like that should be respected and, um, and I think revered. Um, but to, to get to play with the little bit that we do know at this point so that I can kind of go, okay, wow, um, to your point of like, gosh, I want to do this thing, but it feels like a lot of work or it feels challenging or I'm feeling resistance, right? And that's the best that our brain, like our conscious brain can come up with and say, this is why I don't think I want to do this, right? But to kind of pull the hood back a little bit and go, what's actually going on here? 
well, I'm asking my brain to do something new, potentially. Um, that is going to require what I call like an activation energy, right? Like there's, it's expensive. It's not like you just simply walk out the door and do this new thing you've never done before. Um, there's a lot of attention and focus and trial and error, right? Like that has to go into that. That is calorically expensive. <laughs> You're building new neural networks, right? Like, so your brain needs to feel extremely safe, well-fueled, you know, like there's, there's, it, there can't be, it's really hard to start something new um, when you're stressed out, right? It's just not, there's not the resources on board at that point. It's being used just to kind of manage whatever's going on for you in, in the moment. Um, this is, I actually use this conversation a lot with weight loss. Like losing weight actually requires you to be, I mean, it is, it is, threatening to the body actually to lose weight even if you you need to from a health perspective right like this is a big change you're asking your your body to create this change and in some cases we might actually need to get you healthier before you can actually start to lose weight there's this kind of preparation phase of like do i have all of the things i need in place from a fuel perspective from a um yeah, energy is my is my environment set up in a way where I'm not going to be st so stressed that I can't take on this big new challenge. Um, does that make sense so far? It does. There's actually a great book called uh, Atomic Habits. Yes, I love that book. <laughs> yeah, and it and it talks big James about, Clear fan. <laughs> it talks about this, and uh, and to me, it makes sense that someone who may need to lose weight. Um, uh, it's no wonder why so so many people struggle with it. Uh, there's a you know a physical barrier, a psychological barrier, um, an emotional one, and uh, and of course, um, more recently over the years, we've heard how I believe a a certain hormone that increases in the body when you're stressed. I think it's cortisol. Is that mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and that leads to more weight gain. So mm -hmm. it absolutely, you want to be in a, you want to create a better environment to be able to achieve your goals. And that most certainly would include uh, something like weight loss for the sake of living a healthier life. Yeah. Uh, it's not easy. So but you what's... know what is, you know what is easy? Hmm. Overeating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, where neural performance coaching comes in, like we all know, like we all know what stress feels like from a, we all know the things that trigger us or that we have to deal with in our lives. And, and for some of us, that's a lot, like there's a lot going on. Um, and so we have tools to the degree that we do, right, to manage those. But where I come in is that, did you get to see my threat bucket video? I don't think so. I, I, okay. try, to go th I try to go through your YouTube videos. I noticed that I, I didn't find anything that uh, uh, spoke directly. No, I, I, I don't think I saw anything that was relating to it, but I did see the threat bucket video. I saw the thumbnail and I'm like, I don't understand what this is. I just moved on to more of like, uh, yeah. te like textual content. I'm going to explain it now, but I like that video. You should watch it. <laughs> I will. I'll link um, it too. Yeah, great. So basically, like if you could imagine a bucket, right, and it has an overflow valve at the top. And the idea is, 
stress comes into the bucket in the form of water, let's say. And if that water gets so full that it comes out that overflow valve, you get pain. And in my world, I define pain as any physical experience or limitation I don't want. Um, so it could just feel like what stress feels like, right? But it could be physical pain. Um, could be behaviors that I'm trying to stop doing, right? Like it's just sort of that overflow, things are out of control state. So we all, yeah, we all know that rest and good nutrition and all of these things can help lower that water level in the bucket. But where I come in is actually coming in and sort of mining your nervous system for deficits in those sensory receptors, making sure your eyes are working you know, optimally, that that vestibular system is signaling correctly. Um, and then there are also ways of checking some of the processing areas of the brain and seeing, yeah, that is working optimally or no, it isn't. And, and all of us have deficits. It's not, <laughs> none of us are perfect. Um, and so finding those deficits and then training them and improving them, we start to lower the baseline water level in the bucket before you even walk out the door and deal with those stressful situations. So we're literally cleaning up the function of the nervous system so that we can actually increase our capacity to show up for those things that we want to take on in our lives before we reach that overflow valve. So that's, that's really, the cool part. Yeah, that's really interesting. <laughs> It, uh, it, it reminds me of some of the other conversations I've had with people regarding their, um, their ayahuasca uh, experiences. And it's as if like that's doing something similar, but with, uh, with a substance that you take, you know, uh, externally. Um, but this is working more so internally with the functions you're, uh, you may or may not be familiar with. Uh, I did see another post on your Facebook that was talking about vision, and I found that mm -hmm. curious. Um, let me see if I can bring it up here. I was looking at it. It was quite the diagram, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, can, you know, I can't even say some of these things. The, 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 <laughs> I'm not sure I can either. Convergence. <laughs> You know, um, <laughs> looking at the diagram, I'm like, you know, this is interesting. I why did you post this? What is this supposed to mean? <laughs> that, I think, was a share from somebody else's page. Yes. Was it? Those are, uh, I think it's a, I shared somebody else talking about the different types of uh, visual issues you can have. Um, so I think that was sort of where I was coming from with that. But yeah, I mean, that's the basics of it is you we think about vision as like, yeah, this is from Kathy Dooley. Um, yes. Yeah. These are, these are examples of visual issues. Um, so yeah, we think about vision as we go to the optometrist and we stare at a Snellen chart, right? With the letters on it. And they ask us which line we can read while well, we're standing still staring at a thing that's still in various light you know, they're not, they're not controlling the light. It's all different depending on which optometrist you're in. Um, that's one type of vision. That's one skill. So for me, my story, I would go, if I stared at a Snellen chart, I had like 2015 vision, better than perfect vision. Perfect, of course, is not right either. 20 out of 20 is actually average. But it's, <laughs> that's, that's the marker we're told to hit is the average marker. In any case, there wasn't, I didn't have a problem. I didn't need glasses. But when I got into this work, what I figured out was my eyes actually couldn't track objects in motion. 
Now, no one had ever thought to check this on me. I didn't, I didn't show up with massive issues. So it wasn't something that would have sent me to a behavioral optometrist or somebody, you know, like Kathy Dooley, who's going to look at, at these more specifically. Um, this is a, I don't know how minor my deficit was. I think it was pretty big, but you can have minor deficits in your ability to track an object um, or in your ability to look at an object while you are in motion, while your head's moving, um, your ability to jump from target to target. Uh, and certainly, and the other issue for my eyes is like they have a really hard time yolking. Like they really don't work well together. <laughs> they're not they're not good enough friends. <laughs> so, you know, training them to function together um, that can, you know, if they're not, then that leads to a lot of obviously like 3D issues. You want to make me throw up, put a pair of 3D glasses on my face. Like, it's just, uh, you know, there's, so all of these things, you know, did it impact my, my, if you had asked me, I could have told you there was something wrong with my eyes, but I didn't have the languaging before this. But what it really did do, your brain pays so much attention to our eyes, like, 30, I think it's 35% of the sensory information we take in is through our eyes. So like, that's a huge amount. Um, I would have sorry, no, would sorry, have no, more. no, sorry. It's, it is more. 35 is the proprioception. It's 80%. I know for a fact, I'm, I'm totally numerically dyslexic. So forgive me with this, but 80% okay. of the, of the input comes from the combination of the eyes and the vestibular system. So I think it's like 50 and the, well, somewhere in there, I can get you those exact numbers. In any case, the okay. majority of it comes yes. from the eyes. If you have a problem, that's going to wreak havoc on literally everything else. Coming back to the idea of like the brain functions as a unit. If you have one piece that isn't functioning correctly, it's gonna impact everything. Um, you know, so for me, there was definitely like motion sickness issues, which you would expect if your eyes aren't working well, probably, you know. Um, but also, like, I just felt foggy all the time. Like, it just felt like something was off. Um, I was tired all the time. You know, I'm fighting, in a sense, swimming upstream, trying to make sense of the world with eyes that are not sending signals correctly. <laughs> like, and then I want to go audition for a Broadway show. There's nothing left, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just, I got to the audition. Isn't that good enough? <laughs> like, it's... it's um. <laughs> is this is this some of the stuff that uh, you had experienced? I was reading um, your main profile there, and uh, you had gone through many different um, doctors and treatments and medications. This is is this what you were what, what you're discussing now? Yeah, yeah. So okay. um, ultimately, it impacted my my digestive system. So that was sort of the main thing I was going to talk to doctors about. But I also would go in and be like, I don't feel good. Like I'm 25, 30 years old and I don't feel good. Like what's wrong? And yeah, they ran every test under the sun and it all came back totally fine. Everything yeah, like, was fine. Or inconclusive. <laughs> like we don't see anything yeah. wrong. Right. Yeah. And the thing right. is, is that like, even if they do, you know, the number of people I've now heard of that come back with, you know, pick your favorite syndrome, right? Syndrome <laughs> oftentimes is like, yeah, we see that there's something going on, but we have nothing for you. <laughs> Good luck with it. Um, what do you do about it? Right? Um, I've, I've heard of people who end up getting these diseases that they don't, you know, 
uh, professionals don't know much about, but yet they have a name for it. I'm like, how did right. you guys? How did you guys right? figure out the name for this? But have no idea what it is. Well, we've seen it in several people, but we can't fix it. We don't have a pill for it. So, like, uh, yeah, at least just... at least not yet. I mean, right. And, and, well, that's the amazing thing is, um, well, f- from like studying uh, biology to neurology, uh, human behavior. These are all things that I'm very interested in. Uh, mm-hmm. That's why I talk about them um, so often. Uh, but I feel like the answer lies there, not in pharmacology, though it has a place in society. It has a use. But the uh, the true answers lie within uh, trying to better understand how this uh, intricate brain functions with everything else. Uh, and if you can learn more about it and you can prog- program yourself, uh, then you can begin to like overcome a lot of the challenges in your life. I mean, it's- well, here's, here's the thing. I mean, mm, mushrooms, ayahuasca, right? Those are chemical changes, right? You're like putting changes. something, something in and, and the difference to me between, and I am not well-versed in these. I know I dabble in my intellect around this area, but, um, okay. So my understanding of both of those is you you do it like once, twice, whatever, but like you have a profound change. Something has changed as a result of that that receiving of chemical information. Yeah. As opposed to a pharma like the normal pharmacology where you have to take something as a band-aid because you're not actually changing anything. It's, you know, yes, if you have a bacteria and you take an antibiotic, it it manages that, right? But where where I think it's it's important to think about this is like any one of these syndromes, any one of these, or you know, behave even behavioral things. Like, yeah, I had a I had a, an eating disorder, a binge eating disorder. Like, there's a reason behind that. And yes, some of it is psychological, but even the psychological pieces, it's like there's a reason behind that. And so, can you get down to a reason that you actually can create change around? And when it comes to the nervous system, what's so cool is I might not even be able to name what that reason is, but I can come in and globally clean things up and half of those things go away, you know, like pretty quickly. If you clean up your vision, you clean up your vestibular system, it's amazing how suddenly these things that seemed like they were such, you know, they were just, you know, front and center just go away. Because really they were alarms from the brain. Pain of any kind is an action signal to do something, right? It very well may not have anything to do with the way the pain's even being signaled. And that does include physical pain. Your knee pain may have nothing to do with your knee. (laughs) That's actually interesting. I've had a doctor on who's um, two different doctors. One talking about how like any, any type of chemical introduced into the body you know, for a particular disease or syndrome or whatever, uh, is absolutely making a chemical change in the brain, uh, oftentimes uh, temporary and oftentimes uh, to the detriment of the user. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like the last person I had on, we talked about we talked about uh, sleep specifically. That's mm-hmm. that was her specialty. But um, the point was that uh, whenever you take anything in, it is making chemical changes in your brain, and, uh, and but you're not really solving any problems. Then, right. So, yeah, are the, the chemical other- changes you're making the changes you want? <laughs> right. Right. The other doctor talked about because uh, he was a pain specialist. He was saying um, 
just like you had mentioned, you can have pain in your knee, uh, and the you know surgeons will be like, you need knee surgery, but uh, you may find out later on that it had nothing to do with the knee. Right. Uh, in his in his uh, in his experience over thirty years, he was saying ninety eight percent of all pain generally derives from a muscle which can be treated much easier than just like shoving you into a surgery room. Yeah, well, and I would go a step further and say that muscle is being dictated by the brain. By the brain. So it could be something to do with patterns in your brain that are creating. I mean, if you take it to the musculoskeletal level, it could be that patterns in your brain are creating postural abnormalities that are loading muscles in an imbalanced way and eventually you end up with a pain signal that says something isn't right you know please do something but the answer very well may be that you need to work your left eye you know i mean like it's just <laughs> i mean it's 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 so true though and it's one of these things that like i've been doing this work for almost a decade now and i still when clients come in it still feels like magic to me in a way where it's like let's just do this eye exercise and oh wow your hip pain went away i okay wow. like, it's just, what sorcery is this what sorcery is this <laughs> yes but when you start to look at the science behind it it makes total sense it's just not it's just not what we're accustomed to we just yeah. we we like to look at the thing that hurts and go let's fix that problem <laughs> i think it's just easier and uh there's more money in it obviously yeah as a as an industry it's like oh this hurts okay cool oh depression well, here take this. and sometimes knee pain is because there's something wrong with your knee so like yeah, of course you're gonna be. go get it checked out and and um there's actually a study done i i i don't know the the authors unfortunately but um they did a study on knee pain where they did sham knee surgeries they actually oh. just like poked holes in the knee a little bit and then went back and looked at pain. They didn't do anything. And I wow. think it was, I mean, it was like a huge percentage of people. The pain was gone. This is like the double slit uh, experiment kind of, I don't know if you've heard of that. I don't, or I don't, I don't recognize it. What is that? Uh, something that uh, some scientists were working on with uh, atoms and um, it, it's, hard for me to explain but i'll try to find it and i'll email it to you for yeah cool but but it's it's similar like um you're tr almost tricking the brain into believing that something had changed but nothing had changed no that's it exactly yeah but you took action that's the important thing you you listened to it you said i heard you and i did something and it said thank you <laughs> i wish i wish it was that simple like i just you know i bought you flowers <laughs> is it better <laughs> you know? um but it can be and that's i think the important takeaway is just it's that pain is an action signal and whether or not it's actually telling you specifically what it's asking for that's debatable yeah i there's so much that uh, as you said we don't understand well enough yet and in time hopefully people like yourself can kind of pave the way yeah for, for mainstream science to kind of open up a little, bit, a little bit more and say you know what the science we have is uh is so useful um and over the years i've come to this conclusion that science is just a tool for measurement sometimes we don't yes. we don't sometimes the, sometimes the measurement um, uh, approaches haven't even been developed yet for some things um well what's really cool too is like i mean my brain <laughs> i don't track things well it's not i'm not numerically gifted it's you know i take notes i understand things but what i really have is this lens 
And so half the time, yes, and my choices with a client are going to be governed by what I know about science. But because I'm aware of the fact that we know so little and I know so little of what we know, half the time I can throw spaghetti on the wall and see if it sticks. And, right. you know, the but the cool thing too is like, one piece I, I want to make sure like people do get is that you actually can track this thing, this yourself, like the nervous system, because it's this, it's global and it's all connected and always talking to each other. If I test something and it can literally be anything, right? Like range of motion, how far can my arm go today? You know, once it's warmed up, right? What's my maximum range of motion? And then we try something, we do a drill, I give you some kind of stimulus, whatever it is, and you retest it, we're getting information about what your entire nervous system thought about that drill or that input. So if it gets better, then that tells us either, obviously your brain liked that stimulation, or maybe it was a challenge it really appreciated. Um, if it's neutral, it just means, yeah, that was fine, we do that all day, every day, no thank you, we don't need to spend our time and energy on this. If it's negative, you know, depending on what it is we did, if it was a stimulus, then maybe we avoid that stimulus. If it's, you know, something like, I've asked you to move your eyes, this is this is a story out of my life, like when I first found this work, holding my eyes to the left for five seconds would break me. Like, <laughs> my arm would be like, we're not moving, you made us look left. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's obviously not optimal. <laughs> well, I mean, so, what, what is it about that, you know, that, that broke you? So I'm not entirely sure. I can tell you some of the thoughts. Like, uh, well, I was hit in the head with a hockey stick by my left eye here. So I do think that there was some potential damage to the nerves around here. I think the suture in my skull here was a little smushed. I'm saying this because working on these areas improved things. Um, But um, so like opening up this whether or not it's the suture or just playing with like the dura underneath here shifted things a lot. But if this is under a load of tension, like this whole side of my face here, it makes sense to me that the muscles that move the eyes to the left might not, it it might be threatening for them to be activated. So, so that's one reason for me, particularly, I think that's what was going on. Um, But again, we are so complex. Like there's also, plenty of evidence to suggest that like if something negative happens in in our eyes are in the left position that i would then find i'd repeat threat even though i'm not consciously aware of it every time my eyes go left so there's there's so many reasons why something might be negative and ultimately do i care only if it's going to help us figure out the pathway forward um but in any case, I don't want to leave you getting a dump of cortisol and adrenaline every time you look left, right? So figuring out how to modify that drill, maybe we only hold it for two seconds. Maybe we do it lying down. Maybe in my case, I did it with my eyes closed and a heating pad on my stomach, you know, and, and then I could get a neutral and eventually a positive result from it. Um, and I, I say it that way, but actually, if you think about this, like, looking to the left for five seconds should give all of us a neutral test. It should be, it should be nothing, right? Like it should be something we do all day. Um, so you might get a positive result from it for a while while that novel stimulus is happening. And then once your brain gets bored with it, it becomes neutral. 
So all of this to say there's ways to track this in real time without even really understanding the science behind it. You know, I let science govern me, but it's just not, it's, it can't be the only piece to the puzzle because we don't know enough for it to be. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to ask, like, how are you, how would you document if something was uh, um, producing, uh, you know, neutral, positive or negative results as you like try the different uh, stimuli, whether mm -hmm. it's on yourself or, um, but I suppose like you, you kind of answered some of that already. Um, do you, uh, do you just take like visual or, or mental notes of how someone may be reacting when you provide that uh, stimulation for them or that exercise? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's so helpful to have outside eyeballs, right? Like having a coach that can see what's going on. I mean, some of the assessments I use are, are like actually like they test neural function, gait, watching someone walk is a really great way to see whether we're making improvement or shutting things down or things are just staying the same. Um, but yes, the documentation part, right? Like then your homework assignment becomes what do you do with this information, right? So if you've got something that tests really well, well, cool, we want you to do this all the time, right? Like, and especially before you go to do something where the stakes are high or you need to move well or whatever, we call those like your high payoff drills. So once we find what those are, you can kind of, I used to call them like physical mantras. You just kind of do them throughout the day to keep giving your nervous system a little hit. It's <laughs> kind of <laughs> one way to think about it. And then with the ones that are testing negatively, if they are, you know, um, sort of required neural skills for survival, then we want to clean those up. Um, and so those would become sort of your rehab drills. And typically we'll do them like before bed, you know, when you don't need to uh, perform well or you're not going to try and walk around in the world. Um, and we just kind of, because you're, the more you do them, your brain will adapt to them and start to start to allow it, start to understand that nothing bad is going to happen when that happens. Um, and so we start to clean those up and then eventually progress them um, into something that you can hopefully become high payoff drills pretty quickly. And you can start to use those out in the world. But it becomes this communication with your own nervous system. And that's the part like I really want everyone to get is like, it, it is this it is this communication we get these signals through our bodies and our thoughts and you know and then we take action on those and then we see did it like it did it not what do i do differently like there's this real-time feedback which I, I i struggle with making decisions so like i'm really grateful to have this ability to go gosh what did my neck think about this <laughs> you know <laughs> and and you can start to test everything i mean the shoes you wear the the headphones you're using the position of your computer right like the things that you're doing throughout your day you can suddenly start to assess them and go this is actually hurting me can i shift this and change it so it stops draining or it stops filling up my threat bucket, you know, before you even turn it on, turn the computer on. Um, yeah, so that that communication to me is, it's such a gift for me. And it is definitely something I wish everybody could understand. I mean, they will, you just have to kind of keep at it and uh, keep and, talking, <laughs> and, you know, and, and keep educating. It's, um, you know, when I think of the nervous system, I think of this giant, um, uh, this you know, system of electronic or like electrical signals, you know, all throughout the body. 
Um, and I would never really think that there's too much correlated with it, whether it's behavior or, or, or anything else. Uh, but it, it, a lot of what you have spoken about, a lot of what I've read from the content you have, this has given me some new, like new ways of looking at it and, and thinking about it. Uh, especially this idea of uh, this like threat bucket or um, or perceived threats by uh, your brain and your nervous system. Um, it, it makes me wonder about some other some other things that a lot of people experience. So one specific symptom that has been uh, very heightened recently is anxiety Mm -hmm. and it's been growing for a number of years i mean millions of people are experiencing it uh of all ages and um the thought just occurred to me as you were speaking how you know how much of that is also part of the the brain and the nervous system is it you know is it a is it a function where it's surfacing as a threat in a person's life and the brain perceives it as a threat and therefore it creates those physical symptoms automatically of, you know, wherever they may feel it in the chest, in the gut, you know, um, in their breathing, whatever. Have you, have you worked with any, uh, anybody specifically for, let's say anxiety? Well, that was my, that was my biggest symptom was it came out the most when I was performing, but it was there all the time. And it was just this underlying, like, tension and and so yeah i mean to me pain is any physical output i don't want so yeah and i think also key is this ability to kind of take a look at our emotional experiences and go actually they're very physical they are physical experiences and so if i can start to recognize what's happening in my body with that and understand this is a physical response to something this is an action signal and so you know i mean i i had tried everything right i mean this is the part that's so frustrating is that we think of it as cognitive or behavioral right and like i was in therapy for a decade i went to 12-step programs galore i did you know all the spiritual seeking and all of these things trying to find peace right just be peaceful and that would work for me sort of on a meditation cushion (laughs) or like alone out in the woods to some degree but as soon as there was any kind of life happening it would flare up again and suddenly i wouldn't be able to breathe and breathing's really important if you want to get over anxiety. So, like, yeah. or sing. Um, <laughs> Especially if you want to sing. You, <laughs> really, you know. really hard to sing if you can't breathe. <laughs> so, so basically, that's why this, this threat bucket analogy is so important for me. Is, like, it wasn't one thing. It wasn't, it wasn't that person looked at me funny. Yeah, that person looked at me funny, but that produced a result that was far greater than what I... I thought it should be and that's that's because the cost of just walking out the door for me energetically was so high i had nothing left i had nothing left to respond to life the way i wanted to respond to life and the coolest thing about this is so i mentioned the scar on my eye right in my first session with a z health instructor one of them i he pulled on the scar and like my face twitched like i mean it was bizarre bizarre experience and i mean this this happened when i was 13 and i was 30 something when I found this work, right? So it was an old scar. I didn't think anything about it. When I stood up after he had pulled on that scar for like five minutes, the anxiety was gone. 
Like, it, it was gone. That didn't stick. It didn't stay that way. But it's the first time I'd ever just had a moment of like, oh, this is what it feels like to be like able to access my lower abdomen with my breath. This is what it feels like to know I have legs underneath me. Um, and, the, you know, it, it took me going through the entire Z Health curriculum to resolve all of the complexities around it and figure out how to, how, there, there were just so many pieces that needed to kind of come together after three decades of living and practicing anxiousness. Um, so, you know, it's, it is complicated, but once I kind of looked at it from this, what, do, what does my nervous system need? You know, what does that look like? And yes, meditation, meditation actually fires up the insular cortex. It's the primary part of the brain that lights up during meditation. The, the insular cortex is an integration hub for the vestibular system, for most of our sensory input, actually. Um, it's connected to, it's responsible for like driving gut function, breathing, the vagus nerve kind of connects from the insular cortex down to literally everything in your torso. So like vagus nerve work for me was extremely important in sort of calming things down. Um, and yeah, so kind of, again, sort of looking at it as like, right, which pieces of this neural puzzle have a positive impact on me in this shift into a new experience of life. And that, you know, it's it's all so different for me now. doesn't mean I don't get anxiety. I do. It's still, you know, the thing with pain is once your brain knows it has a way to connect with you to get your attention, it will keep using that. <laughs> like, you know, pain is a skill. <laughs> we get better at it the more we practice it. Um, That's an interesting way of looking at it. I've never thought of it that way. Uh, that, um, But I, I have heard similar cases. I deal with a lot of pain management clients myself, and I've noticed over the years that, um, uh, you know, for some, pain becomes something they accept in their lives. Uh, and I read a portion of that in, in some of the work you had published, too, is uh, uh, I believe after all the things you have been through and all the things you had trialed uh, to to gain some more insight or to, to gain some kind of better quality of life, uh, you were ready to kind of just throw the, throw your hands up and say, well, this, is, this must be how it's going to be forever, mm -hmm. right? And I, I've spoken to a lot of people uh, who have that same belief system. Uh, and so they continue to, you know, use opioids or whatever it is. And so I even in what I have attempted to educate uh, clients with is that, um, you know, short of, let's say, physical injury in a car accident or anything else, um, and this ties back to what um, uh, what that previous doctor was saying about most pain derives from muscle-related uh, injury or, or something, that uh, instead of just relying on medication, you should consider other uh, other forms too. So yoga can be one. I mean, trying to gain uh, more uh, motion functionality out of the areas where you're feeling pain um, instead of just masking it with medication. Because uh, once you get used to 
the idea that, well, you're always in pain and you'll always remain in pain. So therefore, it justifies the, the constant use of a medication. Um, that's not, you know, is, is that really the life you want to lead? Mm-hmm. What if there is a better way? And the more I speak to people like yourself, uh, the more I can kind of sense that uh, there, there is a better way. It's just the easiest way is to mask. Mm-hmm. The, the hardest way is to really look at it objectively and, and try to find uh, different practices, though they may seem crazy or, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, outside of the, I want to say, the medical community's uh, acceptance. Mm-hmm. It can still be useful. It's uh, It doesn't hurt to try. I think that's probably right. the, the most important aspect is. Uh, if it's not going to kill you, it's not going to. It's certainly not going to hurt to at least attempt something different, uh, in the hope that uh, you may see some kind of positive results you can build on. Yep. Well, it, Dr. Cobb refers to uh, neuroplasticity, which is you know this concept that our brain can and does and is constantly changing, right. as the science of hope, with this idea that your brain is changing regardless of what you're doing. So as long as you're, you know, giving it some kind of novel stimulation, there is a chance it will change in a way that produces a result that you're looking for. And there's always, I mean, the more, the more I study this, the more I'm realizing there is literally seemingly an infinite number of things that you can try. And again, the, the only issue becomes how much resources do you have available to create the changes that you want. And I will say one of the one of the biggest things I've walked away from with this with this work is a deep sense of compassion for people, right? Like we are all doing the best we can. No one wants to hurt, no one wants to suffer in any of these ways and like we we if masking that works and you can get out and do your life, like of course you're going to do that. Like it just makes sense. And yeah, then it becomes certainly, you know, it's one of the reasons I, I want to talk about this as much as possible because, yeah, we don't, we don't know. Most of us don't know that there is this infinite opportunity to create change once we just kind of shift our perspective just a little bit. But we have to be taught to do that before we can do it. It has to be shared before we can do that. So it is, it is great to be able to talk about it. Yeah, it takes a lot of practice. I mean... Um... In in the course of my adult life, the I can attribute to much of my growth to the fact that uh, there there was little fear of change. Um, you know, as a as a career musician myself, like I feel like I I took a lot of the, a, a lot of the experiences from from that. Is like as a musician, you have to change, you have to learn, you have to grow. You you know, it's um, uh, and you're forced to to kind of integrate in, in a lot of ways. Different, you know, if you're playing with different musicians, if you're writing different kinds of uh, music, uh, and so change was always inevitable. And for me, I growing up, I always invited it. I'm like, yeah, okay, fine, change on a dime, let's do it. Um, but that has taught me that um, though, for most, they change can be scary. Mm-hmm. So uh, many people come from a place of fear, uh, 
fear, fear of change, fear of uh, everything, just mm -hmm. fear. It dictates a lot of how uh, people will live their lives. Um, but like you said, changing your perspective can uh, can help you to at least um, minimize some of that fear and begin trying things. Um, well, and I think the other um, key piece is figuring out what is tolerable, right? Like not everyone is wired to jump off a cliff without a net. Like, we're, you know, I am. <laughs> it's probably because I just have lived in constant anxiety and I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to. Yeah, just go try shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. just do it. But, but part of what's really, you know, as my job as the coach, right, is to look at this and go, okay, you are making it through your day. Congratulations. Like, what can we give you in terms of, so I'll usually start with some people that are that, are that kind of um, tapped out uh, with passive things. So, for example, anything, you know, that, it, that does sort of target the vagus nerve or the insular cortex. Thankfully, there's a lot that you can do that doesn't require a whole lot of activation energy. Um, there's a like those neoprene waist belts that they, you know, market as like weight loss belts. Um, there's one I love called from a brand called Sweet Sweat. You can get it on Amazon. It's just like a waist, an ab belt, and you put it on and it puts heat and pressure on your abdomen. And I, I swear, I put that thing on and my anxiety levels dropped from an eight to a four instantaneously. It didn't what? require me to do anything. Why do you think that is? So the heat and the pressure signal, the, they, they activate the vagus nerve via the stomach and some of the other viscera, which then can go up to the insular cortex and, and start to wake things up. Um, the vagus nerve and the, the insular cortex are, are the, the start, sort of the hub of the parasympathetic nervous system. So the rest and digest process. So anxiety or any kind of imbalance in the way we feel can be Sometimes we don't have enough parasympathetic signal. Sometimes we have too much sympathetic signal. And so it's this dance between these two and figuring out, yes, maybe potentially, I mean, in some cases, some people have too much sympathetic or, I mean, too little sympathetic, right? We've got to play with the knobs and figure out what you need. But in my case, putting that ab belt on activated the vagus nerve and calmed things down. Um, colored lenses can be extremely powerful in that way too. Um, for example, green, the color green can help quiet the midbrain down. And if that's your problem, it can be game changing to put them on. And all of a sudden people feel calm, you know, and they don't actually have to do anything so they can start to empty that threat bucket down and increase their capacity so that we can get in and start training things down the road, but they're not ready yet. So like meeting somebody where they're at and going, okay, I have some things that we can try. Um, put this on, see how you feel. <laughs> um, the ab belt, I mean, I, I referred, I, I, I'm a bit extreme with this, but like I put that thing on and I didn't take it off for three months. <laughs> like it was, I called it my hug. Um, I've come to find out like thunder coats for dogs are exactly the same thing. They're like neoprene vests. And you put them on during a thunderstorm and the dog calms down. And I'm like, this is my thunder coat. It's great. Um, I, didn't even, I didn't even know such a thing existed for dogs. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it does work. It's great if your dog is willing to wear it. But um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's lots of these simple little 
passive things that if they're right for you can be game changing without costing too much. And I, I generally always start there um, so that we can create more resources available for some of the bigger, uh, perhaps more challenging um, changes that need to be made. Man, there's so much. There's so much. There's so much. <laughs> There's so much content here. You know, the brain is so, uh, so complex. And, uh, and then you start tying in other aspects, your, your emotional state, your psychological state, and then all your previous experiences uh, as uh, of your living, you know, your living conscious adult life. And um, you kind of, you kind of get the sum of a, a person's, you know, kind of, uh, well-being at the, at that very moment and, and i feel like as you stated before this is something i i have felt for a long time is we can study this for the rest of our lives and one lifetime is certainly not enough you know how many lifetimes i just want to begin to understand I'm not trying to understand entirely but i just want to begin to understand um how all of this works and, you know, the whole point of like what you do and what I do is uh, trying to improve the quality of life first for ourselves and then if possible for others as well. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, that is my exact purpose. Yes. <laughs> and obviously there's so many methods there's so many ways to go about it because everyone is different. Everyone is experiencing it uh, differently. I love the way you put it like, great, you know, you, you got through your day. Congratulations. You know, and um, on a, on a daily basis, um, I imagine most people are at that threshold where that bucket is full and, uh, and just barely scraping by. Yep. Is there uh is there something people can do at home if they're experiencing any of the things that we've talked about today? Yeah. Um, there's a couple. I have, I have like my top three PSAs. <laughs> um, one is about the tongue because this was so game changing for me. Um, the back of the tongue is actually innervated by the vagus nerve and it's official position like where it should live is actually pressed up on the roof of the mouth like so the tip of your tongue if you slide it back from the front teeth and find the little ridge is the alveolar ridge if the tip is like on it or even slightly behind it great and then the rest of the tongue should be suctioned up to the roof of the mouth mine was like a dead sea slug in the bottom of my mouth when i first found this and like Again, like it was about 40 minutes of lecture as he talked about this tongue and the reason why it should be there. My face relaxed, everything relaxed. Um, and yeah, it was it was game changing for me and has proven to be game changing for pretty much anybody that I find who does not automatically have the tongue in that position. Um, was yours in the right spot? I mean, I don't know. I don't even know. I don't. I don't even know what you're talking about. Ah, okay, great. <laughs> so if I'm talking, don't think about it for a second. Just listen to me say something extremely interesting for a second. Let your tongue do what it's gonna do, and then just okay. notice where it wants to go. Like, where's home base for it? Where? Oh, where's home base? For, I mean, I don't know. 
it just I've never even thought of this before. <laughs> what, so so wait, what is the significance of this? So if your tongue, you are getting significant activation of the vagus nerve in the back of the tongue and also like some of the other cranial nerves that innervate the tongue can be really important in sort of mitigating pain and some of these other things. So if your tongue is not in that position, you are missing out on essentially 24-7 minus the time you're talking or eating uh, dosage of parasympathetic stimulation. Does that make sense? I'm going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, as you're, as you're talking and I am listening, I'm just wondering like, uh, or just um, uh, taking note of exactly the, the position of my tongue as, as my mouth doesn't have to move. Yep. And so I'm idle and I'm thinking like, okay, what is the position? I, I sense that sometimes it lays flat and sometimes it, it just kind of hovers between the mouth, not really yeah. laying down. What does this mean? Well, can we check? Can we try something? I know people are listening, but I can see you. Do you have any neck tension? Um, I mean, not not exactly. Not exactly. Do you have anything that gets tight? That uh, you can move while seated in front of a microphone with headphones on? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, believe it or not, people are going to be able to see this. This is going to get oh, great. uploaded. Okay, awesome. It's going to get uploaded as video and audio in uh, like 20 different places. But Great. Um, I... Uh, like I head rotation uh, try head rotation yeah is there any I mean, stiffness at end range there no okay you're in great no. shape <laughs> well here's here's I mean, the homework maybe. assignment <laughs> so here's the homework assignment at some point today try something maybe it's a squat maybe it's a push-up i work with singers sing whatever you want to you know do then try it with your tongue in position, not singing, that's harder, but like try the squat, try the push up with your tongue in that position. So the study that I often reference is they tested quad strength with the tongues in various positions. With the tongue in that position, glued to the roof of your mouth, there was a 30% increase in strength. Like it was so profound that they were like, we now have to call into question every strength study ever done prior to this that did not account for tongue position. And as a what? good neuro, yeah, and as a good neuro girl, I'm like, yeah, but what about eye position and all the other things you didn't account for? <laughs> but yeah, tongue in that position is that big of a deal when it comes to optimal functioning of your body. So glued to the top of your mouth? Mm -hmm. And if that's hard for you, you can do the cheesy grin. You smile, lift your eyebrows up, and it becomes a little bit easier to keep the tongue there. <laughs> Okay. And you should be able to swallow with your tongue in that position. So that took me some practicing. <laughs> um, and I'll say, like, my tongue, like I said, was not in this position to start with. Um, and it did require some conscious checking in. Um, so I'd be working with clients. And while they were talking, I would use 1% of my conscious awareness. We've got you yawning. That's actually a really good sign. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, I, I went to bed late. I mean, I've just, um, I... That's but it can be story. relaxing. Yawning yawning actually happens a lot after this, so it could be that it just relaxed you a little bit, or maybe you're just tired. Who knows? Why well, can it's... make one data point mean anything? <laughs> <laughs> it could be a little bit of both for sure. I yeah, I've just been working late um yeah. mornings and evenings and so it's uh you know, it's been a tough it's been a really tough several months for me. Mm. Um trying to balance everything. 
Totally. I just, ha- I just had a newborn too, so. Oh my gosh! Congratulations! Thank you. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. you're tired. You're really yeah. tired. <laughs> uh, I mean, we we both are. It's uh, you know, mom is working overtime with uh with the toddler and a newborn. Oh my Mom, gosh, moms don't get so enough much. credit. No, moms <laughs> it's don't a full threat bucket twenty four seven. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it's uh, so yeah. I mean, maybe you know, maybe it was a little bit of both. But it's an interesting exercise. The uh, the the information that they had gotten from that was, I don't know, thirty percent, thirty percent increase, mm-hmm. just by doing that. Mm-hmm. And um, was was there anything else that they discovered from from it? Not in that study. I think they were looking specifically at that. I think there's. Um, I don't, I don't have specific references. I was going to say, I feel like this is something that's been known, but wasn't quantified for yeah. some time. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. And, and certainly the more that's coming out on the vagus nerve, any type of vagal activation can be extremely useful in, in any, uh, well, in pretty much anything, in any form of pain, whether it's physical or emotional or psychological. Um, the vagus nerve is, it's, it's a really big deal. I mean, it connects everything. And so um, the studies just seem to kind of keep coming in one after the other of people testing different things and going, yeah, that really did make a big difference in strength or relaxation or migraines or, you know, all of these things. That's insane. I, if the, you know, if it's such a wide range of things that, uh, or symptoms like that, makes me wonder um, if, if we're going all if we're going about it all wrong you know in in western uh medicine that uh <laughs> that it's like yeah, yeah you know maybe the uh the ancient civilizations knew something we didn't uh, it is it is one of my favorite um i don't know what part of my ego this is but like it's you know the when the and the ancient traditions get validated through modern science. It's just kind of like, right, yeah. yeah <laughs> we we think we're so smart, but <laughs> there's an intuitive level to a lot of these things that um, I, I my my respect for deepens. Um, yeah, it's we're, we are not we are not siloed things, right? It isn't that I have a tongue deficit. It's that I that part of me is disconnected in a way that's impacting things on a global on a global level. Um, so yeah, that is that is my number one PSA. I mean, some of the other things you can do um, to help calm down or um, just hold your breath. <laughs> like for sounds counterproductive, or give it yourself does. a really a big like a powerful exhale um i have my clients breathe into a bag like you know prevent people would do if you were hyperventilating um but that carbon dioxide just getting kind of like a shot of carbon dioxide in a way um actually helps you absorb oxygen you can't take up oxygen if you don't have enough carbon dioxide on board and a lot of us are walking around hyper breathing even if it feels like in my case i have a tendency when i'm stressed to hold my breath and then gasp so I'm actually over breathing to compensate for the fact that I'm not breathing in a slow, relaxed way. Um, carbon dioxide is also a vasodilator. It helps reduce inflammation. Um, it uh, it does. It's kind of 
pretty powerful in re- relaxation and healing and all kinds of things. So that is, yeah, one of my other PSAs is like, yeah, we keep telling everybody to take a deep breath, but maybe you need a deep exhale instead. <laughs> powerful <laughs> exhale. <laughs> Car- yeah, so carbon dioxide? Carbon dioxide. Really? Mm-hmm. Even as an anti-inflammatory? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, well, I do know people that go huff carbon dioxide and get really great results, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like, <laughs> <laughs> um, it can be, um, it can be automatically extremely relaxing and a really great feeling for some people. There's an initial threat response, but doing it, you know, once you kind of calm down and get your breath back a bit, um, it can have long-term impacts that are extremely valuable. Your brain, your brain needs oxygen, glucose, and some nutrients to stay alive. So if you are not getting enough oxygen to your brain because you're actually taking in too much oxygen to use, um, this can be a great way to sort of refuel the brain by allowing your blood to absorb more of the, the oxygen that's coming in. Wow. Like that, yeah. I mean... As you said, counterintuitive. At least that's how it may seem at first. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's just so much to it. Yeah. Um, and how, like, how much of this is experimental, and how much of it is quantified through? Uh, it's quantified. It is. It's quantified. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The the br- breathing. You know, I've I've been obsessed with breathing my entire life from a singing <laughs> perspective, um, <laughs> and yoga and all of these other things. But what's so um, powerful for me is that you start to realize that breath and it's one more kind of dial we can play with like exhalation does certain things inhalation does certain things um length of time focus on the breath pattern different breathing patterns like muscular awareness there's like so many things you can do with breath to shift what's going on in your system and again any shift can potentially be extremely valuable in achieving your health and performance goals so yeah everyone can breathe so it's (laughs) a cheap easy one (laughs) it it reminds me of the of that like uh central hub that you were talking about kind of controlling Mm -hmm. uh breathing walking you know blinking uh, digesting it's uh so we just do we do all these things and i I feel like we take it for granted because um you know, we're all so very, very busy day to day. Well, and I think that might be probably the best tip is just to kind of, yeah, use your senses. Be aware of your senses. You're using them. You just might not be aware. You know, can I name what I'm smelling right now? Can I name what I feel on my skin? What is the temperature? What is the the humidity in the room right now? You know, where do I feel pressure from my clothes? What do I taste in my mouth is there you know am i aware of where i am in space you know there's just ways of physically being in the moment that not only get us present right from the sense that we normally talk about it like my awareness is actually here in the moment but it's waking up the full nervous system the full being right into this now moment and gosh that feels really good when you get there so (laughs) Uh, well, I mean, uh, it's uh, that's part of a lot of a lot of like things I've reflected on over the years is uh, s- kind of similar to what we're talking about. You know, the 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 feelings of holding on to outcomes and the 
which keeps us from living in the present because we're just so hopeful about a, you know, trying to get a certain outcome of a, a out of an experience or out of a, uh, anything really uh, expectation. Uh, there's just there's so many things in life that kind of pull us away from being in the moment, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and it's all it all starts up here. It's the mind. Uh, and probably a little bit of the emotional state too. You know, they're kind of connected there. What we yeah. want and what we wh- what we uh, strive for. And I feel like neuroscience, from on a basic level, has been um, for so many years mostly like chemical. Just, I feel like maybe probably mostly chemical research. Uh, and I'm deeply fascinated uh, about that. Like, very fascinated about how uh, the brain functions, the the natural chemicals that are produced, um, how we interact uh, with uh, external chemicals. So via mm-hmm. drug or supplements, which leads me to the next question is like, since we are on uh, kind of like neuroscience as a whole, uh, what do you think of like nootropic supplements, drugs or the like? Do you have any experience there? I don't have experience. Um, I have a a Z Health friend who is extremely vocal on it and its merits. Um, I am extremely interested in it. I think, um, yeah, it's it instinctively. Um, I I feel interested by it. Um, I don't know enough to speak to it specifically from a scientific perspective, but. Um, there's no denying the results that are coming out in the studies that they're doing. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> at some point you realize that like, this is yours, right? And this body is yours and it's about playing with dials, right? Like, yeah. and, and everything is a dial. Everything is an input. Um, and so choosing which inputs you want to play with and, and, being clear about what the outputs are when you do it, like fully taking responsibility for it and going, gosh, I think this is what I want to try and let's see what happens. Um, that's empowering, right? Like that, that is, um, I mean, don't be stupid, right? Like <laughs> I'm not going to do something that, that I, I'm, I haven't thought through clearly, but I mean, yeah, but there's, there's just, there's so much out there and there's so much coming. And, and for those of us that, um, I think live in the fringe of science. It's is there's an awareness of of how much more there is that is yeah not not validated by the FDA yet, <laughs> and yeah. that is extremely useful or can be extremely useful. And then just also understanding that with any of these things, it's n equals one, right? There can be studies galore that that demonstrate that this is extremely useful for many many people. Does not necessarily mean it's going to be useful for you. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I have the ability to get extremely far out (laughs) without putting anything in my system. Um, and so there's, you know, the questioning line for me is like, do I want to experience that in a different way? Do I want to, you know, so that's like my, my questioning. I'm not entirely certain Um, I trust my nervous system with it. Like, so there's, I'm just sharing like some of my thoughts that come up for me personally, which is why I haven't dabbled in it yet. Um, 
I'm pretty sure I will at some point. <laughs> so. there, there, like, yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of supplements out there. Uh, some of them I use, some of them I offer to clients, some of them that are, are uh, very well formulated. I mean, the, the for the purposes of some of these things are um, oftentimes for you know focus, energy, uh, like mind clarity, and uh, I would say that it's probably better to try to figure some of these things out on your own before you dabble in supplements if you can uh, approach it with a uh, with a natural input first so figuring out your um, you know the stimulations the uh, the reactions that uh, that they would create um, but for some they're pretty open to just trying anything most of these chemicals are pretty natural some of them mm -hmm. not i mean some of them are all natural uh some of them the brain already creates mm -hmm. and, and i guess there's some of those dangers when you when you introduce something externally and there's a good chance that your brain already creates some of these in some form that your brain just shuts down those areas and that's not it's not uh, a good thing i would say that's yeah. definitely not a good thing you should uh, should at least be considerate of that yeah I mean, it's, it's, um, yeah, I just keep coming. So I feel like I have the ability to communicate with my nervous system in a way where I can check as I'm going with some of these, you know, so for, with certain substances, if I were to participate in something like that, I'd be curious about the cost of it on my metabolism on some of, you know, so I have, I could track pulse and temp, like there's ways that you can kind of if you're gonna if you're gonna take the reins into your own hands like do it intelligently and you know with with as much data as you can but also knowing like we just we don't we don't know what we're totally playing with with any of these things but i'd say that about any of the pharmaceutical products on the market as well so like you know it's it's uh yeah even though live your FDA, life right yeah. they're fda approved but they'll they're, kill you yeah. slowly you know what I mean? yeah. yeah at least they can they're right. gonna ruin your life but it's fine you won't die yet so <laughs> the, the beauty of a lot of those things is that yes they'll work temporarily um and you'll find temporary relief but in the long term i feel like it's a uh, it puts you in a cycle and that's kind of what we've seen in western medicine is that um, you'll eat poorly. You're always in a constant state of stress, anxiety. So you're put on a regimen of medications for all of these things. And in time, as they don't work, you get transferred to other medications. By the time uh, you are realizing that your body is breaking down, they're ready to put you on other medications. They're like, oh, you've, you know, you've developed issues because of uh, the way you eat. Well, I'm sorry, but food is very well engineered to be, you know, to be uh, consumed, um, you know, excessively. It's mm -hmm. been it's been designed that way. I mean, it's the profit motive of, of you know, Pizza Hut and Domino's and all of these guys who are like, no, we need we need you to order five times a week. That's what we want you to do. Right. Uh, that's why that's why food is hyper palatable. Um, and so, you know, you go through life for. 40, 50 years, and then you, you get to the other side and things are starting to break down. And right. you've, you've been in this system for much of your life. 
Right. So from the consumption of the, the horrible foods to uh, the medications to deal with your anxiety and, and your stress levels because life is fucking hard, mm-hmm. to say the least. And um, and so it, it's a it's a perfect it's a perfect system for capitalism. Absolutely. And yeah, <laughs> I do feel like um, my my goal is to empower people to really make a choice whether or not. They want to put their well-being, their physical well-being in, you know, to literally just hand it over to the system unquestioningly and walk down that path or start to take a more active role and participating in their own health and well-being. Um, and, and that is, to me, the beauty of the work I do is that you actually can in real time, like, see these things shift and change. And, and it does. It has a profound change on how you how you see health and wellness and and sort of our our current method of managing that so um yeah it is you know tell our uh watchers listeners and readers anything you might want them to know um i'll be linking all your information in the description for people to find you discover your work and learn more about how they can uh you know help themselves but you know in a crunch what would you like people to know Mm. that there is always something else to try, that there is hope, and that uh, you can, yeah, th- th- it's all possible. That's the coolest thing. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm making infotainment videos on Instagram trying to explain this in ways that like people can understand. So that's a really great place to come hang out and check it out for a while. And then, yeah, you can sign up for my newsletter. I have a weekly newsletter um, that you can sign up for on the website. Um, And there are classes and all kinds of things coming down the pike uh, later this year and early next year. So lots of lots of cool ways to share this and and participate in it and experience it. I do offer free um, explorer sessions. I feel really strongly that you do need to experience this for yourself. So like if you're like, gosh, I think this is interesting, but I'm not sure what it is. On my website, there's a link to sign up for a free Explorer session. Come check it out. I'll talk you through it. We can put it on your body and figure out ways for you to assess and reassess, communicate with your nervous system, and and actually try this on because I think that's the best way to experience it. All right. The Neurology of Presence. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and sign up. Just to yeah, great. To- Perfect. That'd be really fun to try that with you. <laughs> yeah, I because uh, I'm deeply curious, and uh, I'll try anything at least once. Right. <laughs> you know, just to just to experience it and and determine if there's um, you know uh, anything of value for for me specifically. Not, yeah, you know, totally. Not as a not as a whole, but just for me specifically. Great. Uh, so I appreciate your time. Thank you. This for was wonderful. Me today. Thank uh, you so much. You're a wealth of knowledge, and it, and it's it it truly is beautiful to hear so many more people who are interested in these uh, in these methods. Uh, as you said. There's many ways. And, There's uh, many ways, infinite ways, in fact. Infinite ways. <laughs> and uh, and the, I feel like the first step is uh, overcome your fear, you know? Yes. And so sometimes people make changes out of desperation. That's one thing I definitely learned uh, through all of my experiences is great change comes when you're in a great deal of pain and mm-hmm. you can no longer handle it anymore. And so you say, well, I'll, I'll try anything. Yep. And so if you're there. It is a good motivator. Yeah, if you're at that point in your life, go to the go to the website, sign yes. up for the free explorer, uh, and um, you know, hopefully 
that can set you on a uh, positive journey for the rest of your life. Yes, I love that. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica. Have a wonderful day, okay? You as well. Take care.